Welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about. And tonight's main event is the end of the Clone Wars. I am your host, Austin, and with me... As always, is the amazing Amanda! Hey! In the wild, yet elusive, Jekka! What cake and bacon? Folks, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about all sorts of fun stuff. Of course, we're going to be talking about uh, the Clone Wars later on, but uh, we're also going to be talking a new Star Wars movies coming. Uh, apparently, Tom Cruise is going to film a movie in space, like for real. Uh, Regal and AMC are refusing to show any movies from Universal Pictures. What is going on? And uh, and thanks to May the Fourth. Uh, Disney's released uh, the Blue Milk Recipe, and we're going to be talking about a whole bunch more. If this is your first time uh, joining us, thanks so much. We're going to talk some nerdy news and, of course, uh, the Clone Wars. But, hey, please, please uh, hit subscribe. We'd love to have you coming back uh, more often to, to hang out with us. But, uh, but Amanda, uh, Jekka, what's nerdy with you guys? What have you been up to? I found the best, best, absolute best face mask possible i don't care if it helps keep me safe or other people safe i need it someone has posted a free pattern on how to make your own quilted plague doctor mask so like from the bubonic plague with that mask that like has that nose that sticks way out someone made a quilted mask of that and you can do it like in any like fabric you have and (laughs) Like Dude, it's got so awesome. <laughs> I need it. People are willing to wear masks if they have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I my my sister in law uh, made me a Star Wars mask, and just and it just so happens that probably you know five days out of seven, I just happen to be wearing a Star Wars shirt, so it's like almost always matches. People think I'm you know trying to coordinate that, but no, it's just my normal you know here in here out wear. But but like. This bubonic plague doctor mask, the big long nosed ones that you see in the the history picture. Why did they wear those long ones? Um. So what it was is the theory is if they, it, it was kind of like a six feet apart, except it didn't go quite six feet. If the breathing apparatus, the the breathing part was so far away from the mouth, it would protect the plague doctors from inhaling the plague. Okay. So like in a way, like it would trap it in the beak part. Yes. Keep it there. I guess that makes sense. Kind of like you wow. caught the duck way back there. But yeah. yeah it's just like so creepy looking. It is creepy looking. Something, it's, it looks like something out of Doctor Who, like I a Doctor know. Who villain. Are you my yeah. mummy? <laughs> yeah. So I totally need one so I can go grocery shopping with it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Please take a picture when you do. That is like absolutely amazing. <laughs> the problem is this my sister hijacked my sewing machine. That's how I got my Star Wars mask. About 10 years ago. <laughs> um, And I've never gotten it back. <laughs> That's how much I sew. And she does. Um, oh, so... Great. I want this, but I'd have to ask my sister to do it. And uh, 
she's kind of busy. <laughs> it sounds like she might get it done faster than you. <laughs> no offense. You know, there is a very valid point to that. <laughs> but by the time it gets done, I worry the plague will be over. Uh, hey, I, I just had something that popped into my head, and we should probably talk about this. But last week, we said that we were going to be doing the Letter for the King, the the six episode Netflix series. That's a basically, long story short, is about a uh, uh, a, a rival kingdom. Uh, two two rival kingdoms at war, and a letter has to be uh, given to the king, and the person who has the letter is being hunted down. It's kind of an interesting little family-friendly-ish uh, fantasy genre thing. Anyways, last week we said we were going to do that, and we were planning on doing that this week, uh, but we did not realize that the very last episode of The Clone Wars was not going to come out on this upcoming Friday, but came out on May the 4th. Monday. So we have to talk the Clone Wars. Um so so if if you are really looking forward to us talking Letter for the King, sorry, we'll have to wait one more week, but that gives you one more week to watch it on Netflix so you can uh you can join us on our little uh, conversation and uh and and we'll talk about it next week, but uh Yeah. Uh, sorry sorry for anybody that was really <laughs> looking forward to that, but I'm pretty sure Clone Wars has to be talked about ASAP. Well, it's just because of Revenge of the Fifth that it happened. Ah, uh, yes. So I guess you pay the fourth. Yeah. Now today's Revenge of yeah. the Fifth. So, uh, so Jekka, what's, what's nerdy with you? So, um, in celebration of May the Fourth, like what I was originally going to talk about for what's nerdy with me, I think will be more appropriate for the main event. So I'm going to save that, but I will oh. something along those lines. Um, so one of my friends um, yesterday for May the 4th, um, he did the Xbox game Star Wars Jedi Fall, Fallen Order. Uh, Fallen Order. Um, mm-hmm. It was on sale, so he bought it. And he was playing it, and I was watching him. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Tomb Raider-esque elements yeah. to it. And, oh, yeah. and it's to the point that I, I'm like, I don't know if anybody knows this, but did someone like that worked on Tomb Raider also help out on this? Because like the sounds when missions, when you get a new mission and like when you discover something or when you get even like um, the whole, the meditation circle, like in the puzzles, like it was just, it kept reminding me of Tomb Raider, except less violent and less gory and swearing and all that stuff. But like, it was very Star Wars, but it just kind of like, I don't know. It just made me feel kind of good about myself that i was able to see like recognize a tomb raider style to a star wars video game kind of that's cool congratulations (laughs) your nerd point your nerd because that's like a really cool game and i want to play it so yeah Uh. (laughs) first i gotta beat breath of the wild though one one thing yeah you haven't beat that yet it's been like what two months she keeps losing it for a week every other week i know i'm sharing it with my sister when when you finally beat that game i think you might go through withdrawal you know it's been months it's it was your quarantine game yeah so well anyways i think it's about time we talk some nerd news Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, Lucasfilm has announced a new 
Star Wars movie is coming to movie theaters. That's right. Lucasfilm has also officially announced that Amanda, what, how does he say this guy's name? Taika Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti. You know, I am never going to remember that. I'm never going to remember that. Taika Watiti. Anyways, you know him as the director of Thor Ragnarok, uh, Jojo Rabbit, and The Mandalorian. He directed a few episodes of that as well. Well, he will be directing and co-writing the new Star Wars feature film. So, how do you say his name again, Amanda? Taika Watiti. Y-T-T. I should, I, every time his name points up, I should just like have you step in. Just like okay. Point. okay anyway. Y-T-T will write the screenplay with Christy Wilson Cairns, who worked on 1917. That was an Oscar. Wait, that was the Oscar film, right? It was the World War One. one. Yeah, the World War One that was like nonstop, uh, made to look like one scene. Anyways, 1917, she worked on that. Uh, last night in Soho. So as you might expect, there are, you know, there's no details to share on the film, on the Star Wars film, and what it might entail. You know, what era of Star Wars or anything like that. But uh, Waititi, you know, he's a talented director, storyteller. Uh, it's it's been previously reported that John Favreau and Dave Filoni will be involved with the future of Star Wars films. So it makes sense that they would want to continue to work with YTT as he's been under their mentorship, uh, directing a few episodes of the Mandalorian here and there. Yeah. I'm really excited. I love his work. I still haven't seen Jojo rabbit. Oh, I really recommend it. Jojo rabbit is so good. So good. It it looks so fun, but it's just never been something that I've been able to arrange my time to go see it. Um, So I'll have to look into seeing it now, but I really love his work. He's a very talented director, and I'm really excited to see what he'll do. Yeah, my my favorite thing about him is, um, so I, I want to mention, too, that another film he directed is called Hunt for the Wilder People. Highly recommend that okay. one as well. Um, but, like, my favorite thing about his style and what he does is, like, ugh, he can have you laughing and crying, like, all at the same time. And it's just, like, such good uplifting stories and i just really like them for that uh jojo rabbit briefly so jojo rabbit is set during world war ii it's set in germany um the story follows a like a 12 year old boy who's excited to be in hitler's youth army um and the funny thing is uh taika watiti he actually like will kind of guest star in his own films um and so in Jojo Rabbit, he w- he actually plays as Hitler. So the the boy <laughs> Jojo, he he has like an imaginary friend, and it's Hitler, but it's Hitler acting like a ten year old would kind of thing. Oh and man! And Waititi plays Hitler, and it is so good. It's such a good movie. I highly <laughs> recommend going. No, to no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what movie you're talking about. We just, we just, it, you know, we watch so many movies that just happens to be one that we haven't seen. Uh, it does look really good, but. Uh, well, one thing I'm kind of, I'm looking at what they've done with The Mandalorian, and I'm realizing what they're doing. They're having directors come and direct in The Mandalorian, and I think they're going to train up directors yeah. and give them Star Wars projects working under Dave Filoni. 
and yeah, and John Favreau. I think I yeah. think you're right. It's like yeah. uh, it's like Star Wars directing school. Star Wars episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Star Wars directing school with uh with with a project due at the end of the semester. <laughs> well, I think what they're also doing is how well can you work with the Star Wars people? Who, if, who's the Star Wars people? Are you talking uh, about? I'm uh, talking about like. Kathleen, can, oh. like, can you work the in Lucas the Star? Film. Can you work with Lucasfilm? The Lucasfilm staff, Kathleen Kennedy, president, yeah, and all that. Stuff. If, if you can't work with Lucasfilm, let's find out on an episode of something instead of a whole <laughs> movie, so we stop having these directors dropping out. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Well, you know the thing. I mean, we're going to talk about Dave Filoni, obviously, because he uh, created the Clone Wars with. Uh, George Lucas, you know, he he was George Lucas's Padawan apprentice learner. The you know many many myself included call Dave Filoni the the heir apparent over uh, Star Wars storytelling. But um, you know, I like everything that Dave Filoni is really involved in, and if if he is helping guide and mentor. YTT in the ways of Star Wars storytelling with John Favreau. I think I think we're going to start getting some consistently good Star Wars movies. Hopefully, well, um, not to say that any of them been bad. I'm I, I'm a fan. When you're a fan, you're a fan. You always root for Star Wars. But so I'm really hoping that this is what they're doing with it because I think that Solo could have been way better if they basically taken the directors and say, okay. We're going to give you an episode to work with. See how well you can work with us. And then find out then that they couldn't work with them. Yeah. And move on to another director instead of having a mismatch of things. Yeah. For the movie. Yeah. 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 And, you know, what? You know, I, I will have to admit, a long time ago when, when Star Wars was purchased by Disney and they started announcing the incredibly aggressive... Uh, release schedule you know basically one movie every year which star wars has never done i mean the the quickest turnaround time for any star wars movie up to that point was three years between movies you know i i kind of had a rumbling in my gut that said uh disney may make a lot of mistakes and the sequel trilogy might be where they make them because Disney's never made a Star Wars film before, and um, and 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 the Star Wars people who have made Star Wars films have never made them so aggressively, and so so this is really the first film being announced, um, post, you know, Revenge. Oh, I'm sorry, Revenge. Uh, uh, the Rise, Rise of, of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, and so you know, I I think every Star Wars fan. Has their their fingers crossed? They're 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 holding their breath. They they want good Star Wars storytelling that is consistent and deeply layered, um, like it's always been. Um, so I'm thinking all of the other directors that have been announced for Star Wars movies. I think they've cut all that and they're just gonna go with well, the directors they've trained. And and and, and that's the weird thing because. I mean, Ryan Johnson was announced officially by Lucasfilm on StarWars.com that he was writing and directing an entire trilogy of films before 
The Last Jedi even came out, and and, and there and, and, and yeah, like what happened to all these other movies? Well, I mean, they were officially announced. They could have been retcon, like you said, they're just dropping them. The, but the, the directors of um, let's see, Game of Thrones were announced to be oh, given their right. own trilogy, yeah. and they dropped out. And that was yeah. that was. And that was officially announced by Lucasfilm on StarWars.com, and, just like, you know, Waititi here. So so I, I think those trilogies, though, I think that yeah. was Disney pushing for more Star Wars, more Star Wars. And so oh, Lucasfilm yeah, sure. was trying. And I think it, it really needs Dave Filoni and John Favreau to go, okay, let's slow this down. Let's, let's train our yeah. directors on how to do Star Wars. Yeah, and... Um... You know, they've got Favreau because he he understands uh, movie making. And Favreau set up the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But no one knows Star Wars storytelling like Dave Filoni. Yeah. Because he worked with George Lucas for so long. So when you really compare, when you combine those two, I think... Disney has got a real strong foundation now set up as, you know, as long as they listen to yeah. Favreau and Filoni. Well, but, but anyway, we should probably move on yeah. unless, unless there's something else you okay, really so want to talk just about. One last comment okay. of, I think they're actually going to build up where star Wars can do one movie a year, potentially even two movies a year, but it has to be a buildup. And I think yeah, they're working on yeah, that. Yeah. And, and I would add to that, uh, it needs to have a connected story that's deeply layered, uh, and and you can tell the storyline wasn't made up on the fly, like the last the last film. I think that's what fans want. Um, but you know, the one thing that we haven't even talked about, even though we need to move on, <laughs> is <laughs> is when when will this movie be made uh, in the in the Star Wars timeline before prequel? Is it a prequel? Prequels? Is it? Sequels, sequels. Let's do one about Anakin's mom. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Anyways, we should move on for real now. So so check it out. This is actually pretty cool. The directors of the John Wick movies are helping out on Matrix 4. So so the the John Wick directors, Chad Stalinsky and David Leach, got their, they started in Hollywood doing stunt work. And early in their career, they actually worked on creating uh, the stunts in the early Matrix films. And so Stalinsky, you know, he was even a stunt double for Keanu Reeves. So Stalinsky and uh, and, and Leach, is that how you guys say his name? I don't Leach. Know. Leach, I don't know. Anyways, uh, you know, they've gone on to have successful directing careers. But they're they're coming back to their roots and they're helping out with uh, Lena Wolkowski's The Matrix 4. And during a recent interview with Collider, Stolowski uh, opened up about the highly anticipated sequel saying, quote, it's definitely, uh, from what I know of it, it's incredibly fun. I think if you're a fan of the original trilogy, you're going to love this. Coming back with a vengeance. And then, end quote. Uh, and when talking about how they were helping out with the movie, they explained that Wolkowski is actually directing her own action in the movie quote uh it's more about the creative concept of some of the choreography uh and backing them up with stuff other than the matrixes uh most of their stuff what that makes lena 
so great is she directs her own action. We've had second unit directors on some of the matrixes uh, just because of the logistics involved. But, you know, of late, and especially in Matrix 4, uh, she's directing her own action. The second unit for them are mostly establishing shots, the B shots of some. Uh, but Lena, she does her own action. She weaves into the main unit stuff, which is why their stuff looks so good. Uh, Stalinsky also shares that the upcoming, uh, th- that shares that coming back to the franchise is like a reunion of sorts because the film production is mostly made up of the crew of the original Matrix movies. Quote, they were really cool. They asked us to help out with the choreography and some of the physical training for the guys. I'm helping out a little bit for a sequence. I think Dave's helping out for a sequence. Lane is coming back with a lot of love to have a uh, pseudo family reunion. So that's been a lot of fun. It's been good to see a lot of the crew members again. We just finished doing a sequence in San Francisco before the pandemic started. Uh, End quote. When previously talking about the possibility of coming back to work on The Matrix 4, uh, Leach said, quote, if Lena called and wanted me to do anything on that movie, I would come. I'd carry a C-stand or sandbags. Uh, I loved working with her, and I loved working with her sister, and I feel like I owe so much of my filmmaking background to working uh, not only on The Matrix movies, but also Speed Racer, Ninja Assassin. That's that one movie that you and I watched not that long ago. Uh, They were great mentors to me. So if they call, I'll be right there. Okay. So um, first of all, I just want to say, I think it's probably Lana, like in Star like in Superman. Um, Just wanted to. All right, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I really, really want to see, um, is it John Wick 3 or 4? Which one? For what? For the, the next John Wick. John Wick 4. John Wick 4. So I really want to see John Wick 4 and Matrix 4 come out on the same day. Yeah, that's not uh, that would be... I don't think the Earth could handle that. I well, think that, that was the original schedule. Yeah, that was the original That was the original schedule. It was schedule. like Keanu weekend. Well, they, they <laughs> actually... They actually just announced roughly a week ago that they are going to be moving... Uh, John Wick 4's release date. So we're no longer going to have Keanu Weekend. I know. Which makes it a lot easier for us to figure out what movie to talk about that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> a double main event. I don't yeah, know. really. I guess, is Hugo Weaving going to come back? That's my question. Uh, Agent Smith. No. Good old Agent Smith. Is he somehow going to come back? Because that would be awesome. That would be fun. But we'll have to see. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the second Matrix movie. I, I can't wait to see what they do with it. It's been a long time. Yes, you're you're running joke that the, that Matrix 2 and 3 don't exist. <laughs> I'm, there I'm, was only the I'm, one. I'm, I'm trying to clear up any confusion. There was only the I one Matrix. I almost cried too. And I was like, oh yeah, when I think of the Matrix, like the first one was just so good. And I remember watching the second and third one, but... I should probably rewatch them. <laughs> I don't well, remember happen. the second or third. It didn't happen. The, you know, the first, if you go back and watch the second Matrix movie, I think that was called Matrix Reloaded, if I remember correctly. Uh, Matrix Reloaded, like the first, the first uh, three quarters of the movie was really good, actually. Like, like we got to see Neo being like Superman thingy, which was awesome. Uh, and, you know, we uh, ho- hopefully we'll have more of that. 
but I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of holding my breath because I don't know what I'm, I'm not keeping high expectations. Let's put it that way. And we'll see what comes out of it. Anyways, moving on. This is crazy. All right. Tom Cruise is making a movie in space, like for real, <laughs> with the help of Elon Musk's SpaceX. So, you know, we all knew the day would come when we see Tom Cruise sh- shoot a movie in outer space. And, you know, while we all joked about Cruise going into space for maybe a future Mission Impossible film or, or who knows what kind of film, we never actually thought he would do it. Well, the actor is teaming up with Elon Musk's SpaceX program and NASA to develop the first narrative feature film to be shot in space. You know, this is a real project that's in early development. There's no word on what the story is. It might not even be a Mission Impossible film. Uh, but but this is going to be an action-adventure film that will just, you know, be all sorts of awesomeness. But it's going to be insane. Uh, you, you gotta love Tom Cruise for taking filmmaking to that next level of awesomeness by sh- by shooting in freaking space, guys. Anyways, uh, this isn't actually the first time Cruise has toyed with the idea of shooting a film in space. Twenty years ago, director James Cameron talked with Cruise about the possibility of making a film in space together. A couple of years ago, Cameron even said, "Quote: I actually talked to Cruise." about doing a space film in space about 15 years ago. Uh, I had a contract with the Russians in 2000 to go to the International Space Station and shoot a high-end 3D documentary there. And I thought, man, we should just make a feature. I said, Tom, you and I, we'll get two seats, uh, and but but somebody's got to you know train as an engineer. And Tom said, no problem. I'll train as an engineer. We had some ideas for the story. Uh, but it was still conceptual. But Tom Cruise in space, for real. Our first space movie. Can, can, can I, he... Oh, sorry, what? Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, and if it's anyone to make this actually happen, like a film filmed in space about a space... A- like a space action movie filmed in space, it would be Tom Cruise and Elon Musk that would make it happen. I'm just like... Oh, yeah. yeah. Can, can we just crazy visionaries that it's like, yeah, I'm like, you know, if it was just Tom Cruise and, like, NASA, I would be like, eh, okay, whatever. But Elon Musk thrown in the mist, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that happening. <laughs> can, can we get Tom Cruise as a producer and get a, another main actor in? I'm just kind of done with Tom Cruise, but I like the idea. So can we get a different no, main no, no, actor? No, no, no. Check us out. Check us out. He's what what the, <laughs> this, this this should be like the most expensive, crazy. Uh, joke film ever like it's like you're in space everybody thinks it's going to be like a sci-fi film they should turn it into like straight up like uh victorian shakespeare <laughs> or something you know just something totally whacked out a that you wouldn't expect peace in space. <laughs> yeah a victorian period piece uh, there we go so we had pride prejudice and zombies oh there um, we go sense and sensibility in space there we go there we go or, Sense and space. Sense and space ability. Space ability. There you go. Yeah, it sounds pretty funny. <laughs> but anyways, let's move on. The, the script 
for Riddick 4 is just about done. Vin Diesel took to Instagram recently to offer an update on Riddick 4 Furia. He revealed that the script for the film is nearly finished. The latest Chronicles of Riddick script comes in next week, he says. Uh, I assume this is a new draft of the script because last year the actor said the script was finished. Well, the script was written by uh, the franchise creator, David N. Oh, man. Tui. Tui. That that actually wasn't too hard now that I look at it. (laughs) Tui. Anyways, uh, who will also return to direct the fourth chapter of the franchise when it eventually goes into development. Uh, Furia is the name of Riddick's home world. And this next film is said to serve as an origin story for Diesel's character. Uh, Tui previously said that the film would be a prequel that gives a sense of the character's history. I've enjoyed the Riddick films uh, that have been made, and I look forward to watching the fourth installment. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I I have to admit, I didn't realize there was a third movie. I've only seen, like, (laughs) the first two. So I was like, oh, there's a third one? But... Yeah, I always find that's like number three in a series is kind of like that magic number where I somehow skip it, and then I hear about like fourth <laughs> or fifth movie, and I'm like, oh, no. that happened. So, <laughs> I think this just happens with Vin Diesel movies because I remember when the second Fast and the Furious movie came out, and I'm like, oh, well, they made a second one, and all of a sudden there was seven, and I was like, what happened to like three, four, five, six? Okay, so. So when it comes to Riddick, there the first one that came out was called Pitch Black, which happened to have Riddick's character in there. And he wasn't even really like the main character, but he was a strong uh, character Riddick, in that film. I feel like he was the main character in that. Well, I mean, he... I don't know. He, uh, well, he was like the whole the, reason the, I enjoyed that movie. I was like, well, yeah, dude, yeah. that character that, that, awesome. <laughs> That was the reason why people enjoyed that movie. But like in, in Pitch Black, it was that group of people that were kind of like the main characters. But but anyways, so so there's Pitch Black and then there's the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, which is my favorite of all of them. And then the third one that came out was called Riddick, just Riddick. Oh. So it, it um, I don't really remember that one as well. I, I do remember some of it, but um uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where Riddick 4 goes. It, ho- hopefully it's good. I, I enjoyed them so far. They're kind of like those good, fun popcorn action movies. Kind of, they kind of remind me of like 80s sci-fi action movies. But anyways, let's move on. we got a lot to cover. Stranger Things Season 4 will offer fans big insights into Hopper's character. David Harbour's Hopper is a hilarious, gruff, Lovable fan favorite character, and fans were worried when it looks like we may have lost him at the end of season three last summer. But thanks to a teaser trailer that was released uh, a few months ago, we found out that Hopper is alive, but was taken prisoner and is, and is living in eastern Russia. And while we don't know how or when he will be back to uh, get back to his friends in Indiana, we do have some insight on what we will learn about the character in season four. Because in a recent appearance at Liverpool's Comic-Con, Harbour uh, revealed some season four insights into Hopper's past, um, saying, quote, So I know specifically that in season four, we will give you a big, huge reveal about Hopper's backstory. 
losing his young daughter, Sarah, to cancer and that he was a decorated veteran of the Vietnam War. I'm so excited about revealing this aspect of the character. It's one of the things that I've known since the first frame of the first shot, and we haven't expressed it yet. And finally, we're going to express it in a big way. It's my favorite thing about him that you guys don't know about him yet. But it has to do with these backstories of New York, Vietnam, and Dad. And I'm really excited for you guys to know more about that. And it relates, of course, to things he's doing with Eleven and Joyce and things like that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he gets back and how they do that. Because... Russia is still going to want to get into the upside down. It's true. And I like, I don't know if you guys have heard about, but there's kind of like a little conspiracy rumor running around that um, like it, it's in the first season, but when there's the flashback of him, like kind of twirling his daughter in the air and she freaks out and is kind of looking around and having trouble breathing. There's like a whole rumor going around that like she went into the upside down. And I'm just oh. wondering if they'll, if they'll either like, go with that rumor that a lot of fans are cahooting about, which I'm, I'm actually a part of them. I'm like, I, cause it, the way she reacts, it's just like, Ooh, it does sound like, or it does seem like she flipped into the upside down or something and is, or saw it. Ooh. So I'm like, wondering if they're going to run with that or do something to kind of help debunk that. Cause I, it's like, I don't want to be sitting okay. there hanging, you know, they will either confirm it or come <laughs> Or maybe there'll be something completely new, like the right side up. <laughs> oh boy! I'm in the upside down. Really different. different. <laughs> this looks like the upside down, but it's the right side up. I don't even know what to say about that. And, and this is what happens when you let your mind go. Okay, what would an 11 year old name this? The right side up, the upside down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica has hired Michael Leslie as its lead writer. Uh, Mr. Robot and Homecoming creator Sam Esmail has been developing a Battlestar Galactica reboot series for NBC's upcoming Peacock streaming service. That series is moving forward with the hiring of Michael Leslie, who was hired as the lead writer and showrunner uh, for the show. Leslie has previously uh, been the lead writer and showrunner of AMC's spy drama, The Little Drummer Girl, which is getting really good reviews, uh, and also penned the script for Macbeth and Assassin's Creed. Uh, Leslie said in a statement, quote, I am beyond excited to be taken on this iconic and inspirational show. As a lifelong devotee, I know the possibilities of Battlestar Galactica's world are infinite and that each iteration has raised the bar for epic and intelligent sci-fi storytelling. The teams at Esmail Core, UCP, and Peacock are second to none, and I already know that we are going to honor Glenn A. Larson and Ronald D. Moore's landmark series and break new boundaries with our own vision. It's a dream come true. One, I just can't wait to share with fans new and old alike. So say we all, end quote. <laughs> the show was originally being billed as an original series, but the series might 
end up being set in the same universe as Ronald D. Moore's Incredible Series. There is a lot of back and forth rumor on this. I mean, even right before the show, I, I was reading that it might end up being an original series after all. But uh, that being said, uh, Ronald D. Moore explained in a previous interview that he and Esmail discussed the upcoming show. And, and during these conversations, Moore learned that instead of starting from scratch, Esmail planned on keeping his show in the same universe. Ronald D. Moore says, quote, Sam called me and was very gracious. He didn't pitch me the story, so I don't know. But he said his plans and he wasn't going to restart the show and recast it, but he wanted to do something in the same universe. Uh, Sam's amazing, and I love Mr. Robot. I was like you, you know. You're an amazing guy, an amazing writer. Go with God, end quote. So, so I, you know, I there's a lot of back and forth. I mean, we just heard Ronald D. Moore say that it, it it's going to be set in the same universe. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it will be. If it is, I think it should be, because it will be kind of like Battlestar Galactica's uh, sequel Star Wars sequel trilogy in which they could bring like Adama back and Starbuck, okay, the same so actors. What I want to see happen is if it's same universe. So the Battlestar Galactica was collecting ships and trying to call out to collect ships because everything was scattered. So oh, yeah. if we go from a different perspective, Battlestar Galactica, but maybe a different Battlestar survive, Battlestar ship survived, or maybe it's a lesser ship and they're running from the Cylons too. And maybe they also have infiltration Cylons going on there, which could make it really epic. And we have these basically an entire other fleet of ships that pull together and see what happens to them. That'd be cool. Why don't you uh, why don't you give Leslie a call and <laughs> give him your pitch? Well, if I do that, then it will never happen. <laughs> well, I, I would like to see them encounter a ship full of bears, and they be <laughs> in by bears, and that's the series finale. So that's my two bits. Uh, all right. Well, you give Leslie a call too. Okay, we'll do. Maybe uh, they, maybe they can have a religious text they find, yeah, like an old religious text of the Cylons or something, and oh, that's, that's that could be interesting. Maybe that is interesting. Make it more, more a little bit different, more like humans having a better understanding of the Cylons in this little group. That is interesting. That's interesting. Anyways, let's move on. Darth Maul actor Ray Park might be in Mandalorian season two. I'm saying that with a question mark. Anyways, Ray Park, the man who played Darth Maul in Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, and Solo, a Star Wars story, which I think we're all still scratching our head on how he ended up being in that film. But anyways, <laughs> uh, he recently shared a post on Instagram that has fans thinking that he might appear in The Mandalorian Season 2 the, the, because the actor shared the Sith logo. And I will say real quick, the true he shared the true Sith logo, not the uh, one from uh, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. But anyways, the actor shared the Sith, Sith logo on his Instagram account with the iconic catchphrase, this is the way. And that's all. He, that's it. That's all he put. So, it, you know, it, it would seem impossible for him to return as Maul as he was killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi shortly before the events of A New Hope, but maybe there's a connection between Ma, uh, Maul and Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Maybe it's for backstory. Stuff. Yeah, may maybe we'll get a flashback to fill in story details. I mean, they, they could have also cast 
park in a completely different role. It's not like he has to play Maul all the time. I mean, he is like a freaking, you know, black belt ninja gymnastics, you know, warrior actor. So, but, you know, I don't know. Or maybe Park was just watching The Mandalorian and was inspired to uh, share the quote. So I don't know. But whatever the reason is, he's definitely got fans talking with the cryptic tease. And, you know, they're all wondering what it means. Well, he'll just come back as a red glowy and we can have oh. blue glowies <laughs> fight red glowies and we can have a great time. A, a yeah. red glowy. Although a red I am glowy. to get a little bit like cynical or like not cynical, but suspicious. Cause I'm like, first there's like Ahsoka Tano might appear. Now we got like the actor that plays Maul. And I'm just like, I feel like Disney is like, Hey, here's some fun little things to get you going. And then it's going to be something completely different. Like it'll be like Darth Vader walks in and we're like, what? We thought we were taken care of kind of thing. Luke Luke will walk in and we'll be like, what? So let's look at how the Mandalorian did. There was a lot of flashbacks to how Mando became a Mandalorian and basically of him as a child. So I bet there's going to be more flashbacks of the yeah, maybe. end of Mandalore. I don't know. Ooh, and if, it, possible, yeah. if there's the end of Mandalore, I think Maul would definitely love to get in on that. Yeah, yeah. And sure. Ahsoka could definitely be called up because yeah. she has contacts with the, with the Mandalorian. You know, I, I will say just real quick before we move on, uh, if they decide to do a red glowy, you know, not a blue glowy, a red glowy, George Lucas himself would be mad. He would be because because George has never wanted to have a red glowy. Okay, I so, said so that I, just to be. Funny. Well, no, I know, I know, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think Dave Filoni would do it. So you know, it, it's not a Sith power. The Sith can't yeah. become glowies. But I just wanted to say it because. Yeah. Then it could really put it. It's kind of like Leia th- floating through space. Leia should not be able to float through space. There should not be red glowies. Sure. So. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. So, so, all right. So back on our podcast, episode 99, we, we talked about how the coronavirus may kill movie theaters. And we, you know, we weren't really exaggerating because there is so much uh, drama in the world of Hollywood right now uh, to include something that Regal and AMC recently did uh, because uh, AMC and Regal theaters have announced that they are refusing to show any movie from Universal Pictures in their theaters. Uh, AMC theaters in Cineworld, uh, the the owner of Regal Entertainment have announced that they're joining forces in, in refusing to play any film from Universal Pictures from here on out. Universal is a huge movie studio that makes Fast and Furious, they make the Jurassic World films, and the recent Tro- Trolls World Tour, which was released on video on demand and, and kind of put Universal into the crosshairs of Regal and AMC. So, so what's the situation? Why are these big Hollywood theater chain studios at odds with one another. Well, NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell struck a nerve recently when he said that when movie theaters open back up post COVID-19, they will release movies on both video on demand platforms and in theaters concurrently at the same time. So Shell explained that the reason for this was due to the huge success they saw from Trolls World Tour being released on video on demand instead of the theaters. 
So in response to that, Cineworld said, quote, uh, Universal's move is completely inappropriate and certainly has nothing to do with good faith business practices, uh, partnership and transparency. Cineworld's policy with respect to the three-month window is clear, well-known in the industry and is part of our commercial deal with our movie suppliers. We invest heavily in our cinemas across the globe, and this allows the movie studios to provide customers all around the world to watch the movie in the best experience. There is no argument that the big screen is the best way to watch a movie. Universal unilaterally chose to break our understanding and did so at the height of the COVID-19 crisis when our business is closed, more than 35,000 employees are at home, and when we do not yet have a clear date for the reopening of our cinemas. You know, this is definitely not a good sign for Universal Pictures. There's a ton of money to be made in theatrical releases. Uh, And with theaters refusing to play their films, the amount of money they pull in from their films will be significantly lower. So so this move will will hurt big-budget tentpole films. So in response, Universal said, quote, our goal in releasing Trolls World Tour on Video On Demand was to deliver entertainment to people who are sheltering at home while movie theaters and other forms of outside entertainment are unavailable. Based on the enthusiastic response to the film, we believe we made the right move. In fact, given the choice of not releasing Trolls World Tour, which would not Uh, which would not only have prevented customers from experiencing the movie, but also negatively impacted our partners and employees. The decision was clear. Our desire has always been to uh, efficiently deliver entertainment to as wide an audience as possible. We absolutely believe in the theatrical experience and have no, uh, and have made no statement to the contrary. As we stated earlier, going forward, we expect to release the future films directly to theaters as well as on video on demand when that distribution outlet makes sense. We look forward to having additional private conversations with our exhibition partners, uh, but are disappointed uh, by this seemingly coordinated attempt from AMC Cineworld and the North American Theaters Owners Association. So, to give you a correction, this is cinem- um this is the actual um this is a tweet that the you um Regal did on Thursday. Regal is not boycotting Universal nor any other studio. We will continue our normal policy and play movies that respect the theatrical window, allowing movies to be released first in the theaters prior to streaming or video on demand platforms. Well, Cineworld, what about AMC? So, yeah, this was just Cineworld. Now, one of the things that is really big in this whole argument, Netflix has been trying to shorten the theatrical window so it could play movies in the theater for one month is what they want. And the theaters have been shutting Netflix down. So Netflix has only been able to show its movies in... Uh, basically, any theater not involved in the North American th- theater owners theater owners association association, and that's the only way that they can play movies is outside of the big name movie theaters. And 
So with Universal getting in on this, will there be a shortening of the theatrical window? Well, I mean, we, we've said it before. COVID-19 has, has, has changed the movie theater experience. Um, and we don't, we're still seeing the repercussions. We don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but I really don't think it's going to look the same as it once was. Um, you know, uh, movie theater goers might not notice as they, you know, buy their popcorn, sit down. Uh, but, but some, something is, something's changing. (laughs) The, the, the economy is forced changes. The thing I find so interesting is like this little, Oh, it's, it's a, I don't, the, the phrase coming to my mind is like a cat fight. <laughs> a ah, yes, cat exactly. Fight between, you know, like the movie studios and the films and the whole idea of, you know, video on demand. Um, I, I don't know exactly how much it costs to watch something on video demand. I just know that I had a coworker who his son wanted to watch Trolls World Tour and he was like, okay, um, but to rent it, it was like 20 bucks. And he was like, yeah. what? That's ridiculous. And that, you know, so I'm like, if that is how much it's going to cost to stream a movie in my own home, like, you know, day of or after its release date, like, I'd rather go to the movie theater. <laughs> where, so that's the know. difference between you going to the movie theater and us going to the movie theater. For us, going to the movie theater would cost taking all four of our kids and us. It would cost a minimum, even like on a $5 AMC Tuesday night, that's $30. Plus any snacks or whatever kids want to get, it would be so cheaper for us just to rent it for 20 bucks. Mm, yeah. And so for family films, it makes sense for the $20 rental while it's in theatrical uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Would <laughs> we'll I do see. that? No. We'll see. <laughs> I'm paying 20 bucks to watch a movie at home. I'm buying it. Yeah, that that was the thing he pointed out cuz when he said that I was like, you like the whole thing about renting is it supposed to be cheaper. I used to work at Hollywood Video once upon a time when that lovely rental store was around. <laughs> you know. Hollywood Video. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's how long I've been on the earth. Video rental <laughs> store. I worked at one. Um and that's the whole thing about renting is it's supposed to be cheaper than like actually buying it like that's why you you go to libraries like you're pretty much borrowing a book so you can read it first if you like it enough you go buy it at least that's what i do that's me (laughs) anyways but yes but to like have them yeah it you know like what you point out amanda it's like 20 bucks to rent a movie like you might as well buy it you know if it was like i would expect renting a movie to be the same price as like seeing it in the movie theater or something like that, you know? Well, it's because it's, it's because it's, you know, it's being released on video on demand for rent, as opposed to, you know, being in the movie theaters and then it gets released on video on demand and then it's available for rent. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't follow the same, the, the same process. Um, but whether you uh, like video on demand or not, if you watch something, you're going to need your snacks. And that is why, <laughs> Uh, this next little uh, tidbit is so important because Disney has shared their parks blue milk recipe for May the 4th, Star Wars Day. So so May the 4th be with you. 
Uh, even though today's Revenge of the Fifth, as we record this, can we make like a plastic like alien thing so we can like <laughs> milk it? Well, the blue milk. Well, uh, for Star Wars Day, Disney has released one of five blue milk recipes that Star Wars fans normally enjoy at Disney's Galaxy's Edge, but can now enjoy at home. So, what's blue milk? Blue. Bleh, what's blue milk? <laughs> you say. Well, it's the famous drink that first appeared in Star Wars A New Hope and is one of Luke Skywalker's favorite breakfast items served by his lovely Aunt Beru. Uh, it also just so happens to be one of the best-selling beverages at Disney's Galaxy's Edge. Uh, In-universe, blue milk comes from Tatooine's Banthas, the Bantha population. But uh, now fans can make their own blue milk at home, which is which is described as a light refreshing fruity beverage and the recipe is dairy free so those that are lactose intolerant can enjoy so here's what you need two cups of rice milk so this is for one serving two cups of rice milk two teaspoons of arrowroot powder one blue butterfly pea tea bag one inch fresh ginger root thinly sliced a pinch of ground uh, cardamom, cardamom, a pinch of ground mace, and one to two tablespoons of sugar to taste. You know, I would say like ninety percent of those those ingredients I've like never heard of in my entire life. Yeah, there's I have no three, there's like three on there. I'm like, what arrowroot powder? Like, I know what arrowroot is, but I'm like, there's you could get it as a powder. I don't even know where to go to find that. <laughs> so. And that may be why they released this recipe. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one. It is one of five. Maybe the maybe the other four are a lot easier. Yeah, you'd have to go. You have to go on a serious quest to get this stuff. You're going to come back with a like a plus three and search or something. Yeah, it, it'll be a plus three to um, cooking skills because you're also going to learn a little bit about these things as you're finding. Yeah, them. Really, yeah. really. Well, anyways, it's time for our main event. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? And that bell means it's time for our main event! Star Wars and Clone Wars! The end of the Clone Wars. <laughs> Kills. the end of the clone wars all right so so folks thanks so much for joining us if you're this far make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you can nerd out with us on a weekly basis but uh we have decided that we want to do kind of a spoiler free spoiler free review for the first part of our main event for those who haven't uh seen it yet because uh this the last the last four episodes of the 12 episode season seven, the final season of the Clone Wars, uh, has been some of the best Star Wars Clone Wars storytelling uh, of the entire series. Yeah. Uh, the last four episodes has been like movie quality uh, event. <laughs> yes, hands down. Yes. Well, 100% agree. Three Oscar awards. Best well, <laughs> okay. So what I've loved about the ending is is 
Spoiler free now. Spoiler free. (laughs) It's the feeling of completeness that it it completes out. It makes sense. Ahsoka's place makes sense. Like what happens to her and why we never see her in the movies. It completely makes sense. And they, they craft it in a way so you don't feel like, well, why wasn't she there? Yeah, I mean, they they answer all the questions. They fill in the plot holes, and the Clone Wars finally, smoothly enters the the entire uh, you know Skywalker saga uh, so far. And and they did and they, th- these last four episodes. Like, I don't know. There was there was so much more drama is in deep storytelling uh the music i mean even the opening oh, music is was amazing different. oh yeah the, that opening what? music that opening score for that final episode it it gave me chills and then oh, yeah. at the very end too that was just absolutely beautiful well the fight scenes for it were incredible and partly because they used motion capture which we, we're not, we're, no spoilers. I'm, I'm not doing any spoilers in this. Shush. No, I know, I know, but we're so, we're, we're normally so okay, bad. Can, can I, can okay, I okay, all right, can I finish? All right, all right. Okay, so they use motion capture to get that feel of a true fight, a true oh, yeah. battle, like that you would see in the movies. And so it makes it that much more epic. See, no spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, but we're we're normally so bad at not, you know, throwing spoiler warnings out. But. I had to think this through all podcasts exactly how I was going to say it. So, <laughs> and and something I want to say like kind of about season 7 as a whole um because it's pretty much you have so it's 12 episodes with in a sense three storylines or at least there's like the first four episodes is one storyline overall. The second four, next four episodes is another storyline. And then these last four, like, just brought those two storylines together in an amazing, beautiful way. Like, yeah. I'm going to be using the word beautiful a lot, okay? That's how much I enjoyed <laughs> this. <laughs> like, oh, I was yeah. just, like, odd. But it was very artistic, besides epic. It was. Like, epic and artistic. And I just was awed by it. So I, I loved that in the first three episodes, they were able to use material that they had already prepped and was ready, that they wanted to tell this story. So the first four episodes, I felt, I'm like, whatever. But I, I understood that they had it prepped and ready to go, and they really wanted to tell that story. And so then we move into what I was interested in <laughs> for the last eight episodes. Well, you know, one, one thing I'll say real quick uh, is the the art uh the artwork for this cgi animated uh star wars uh tv show the clone wars has improved so much like what you know there are times where i'm watching these episodes and and there are certain scenes that i really feel like would almost seamlessly be uh, confused with something from the actual movies. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, 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 and when you go back to the very first episodes of the Clone Wars or the Clone Wars movie, which is the real true beginning, like the, the artwork is completely night and day difference. Um, and whatever they do 
uh, artwork-wise moving forward. Like, I really hope it's at this quality. Now, I don't know if I can contain spoilers anymore because I want to jump in. I'm like, can can we start really <laughs> and open okay. floodgates? Can I be set free yeah. now? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So if you've made it this far and you do not want to hear spoilers, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Join us next week for uh, another episode of Super Nerd Podcast. We're going to be talking uh, Letter for the King. Join us next week. Subscribe. We love you guys. All right. All right. And, then, oh, wait, and, okay. now, we're, and now we're doing spoiler so hold talk. Hold on. Hold on. So okay. basically, you're telling them to go away. No. Go put us on pause. Watch okay, the Clone Wars. And then yes. come back and finish. Yeah, yeah. There yes. you go. So That's the better on way. On pause. Watch this last episode. And then come back. And then you can yeah. nerd out with us. So oh, we don't want yeah. them to okay. go away. All we right. want them to come right. back. Let's, let's release the floodgates. As Jekka puts it. All right, Jekka, go for it. You want to release it? It's released. Okay, so here is what I wanted to say, like, for my nerdy news. But I was like, no, hold on. So the last four episodes, right, they run alongside with Revenge of the Sith. And let me tell you, so what I did yesterday is kind of like May the 4th is with watching all of the Clone Wars. So listeners, um, if you don't know, my journey with the Clone Wars is very interesting. <laughs> um, I first started watching like a scattering of episodes among seasons two through six. And then I started going through and like watching them in order. So technically I'm still in season five, but I know like enough storylines that I've been watching season seven as it's happening. And let me say this, when I realized with that, like that part one episode that it was running along, it was starting off with Revenge of the Sith. I watched Revenge of the Sith before I watched that final episode. And let me Ooh. tell you, like after watching Clone Wars, after learning, like, you know, becoming connected with these clones and seeing like Obi-Wan and Anakin really working together as a team, those scenes when Anakin turns to the dark side, when he's fighting Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's screaming at him that he was a brother to him and he loved him and he says, I hate, you know, Anakin throws it back in his face. Oh. I was like, it tugged my heartstrings a hundred times more than when I saw it in the theater for the first time. Oh, yeah. So, like, so I would say if you haven't already, like, watch Revenge of the Sith. And then watch these last four episodes again. And it's just like so amazing. Just like, oh, it just like, I, it just yeah. amazed me so much. And like, and so watching Revenge of the Sith, like that tugged my heartstrings even more, like a yeah. hundred times more. And then watching these last four episodes with like Ahsoka and Captain Rex having to face off with their friends, like, oh, it was just so, that's why I keep saying it was beautiful. Like, I am huge in the storytelling, and it was just beautiful what those last four episodes did. Like it was just amazing. Yeah, and 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 to add to that, um, you know, when when you watch Revenge of the Sith and Commander Cody gets the uh, order to execute Order sixty six, and then he kind of does that little hand wave to to aim at General Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Like like I mean, you feel it a little bit. But after watching the Clone Wars, like you get so much more connected to the clones that it it really feels dirty and treacherous. Because when the execute order sixty six was given to 
Commander Rex. He'll, he'll always be Captain Rex to me. Yeah. But, you know, like, I... That was something in my mind I always wondered about. Like, if if he was given the order, would he actually, you know, try to execute it? And he did. He tried to kill Ahsoka. So- and it, 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 it was so heart-wrenching. It's like, really? Even Ahsoka... In Captain Rex, and then she was surrounded by the cloud trippers, and then and then she whipped out her two lightsabers, and then it was like pandemonium awesomeness. Okay, I need to finish out. Okay, all right, Amanda, go for it. So, the worst part of that was seeing the clone troopers coming at her that had painted. Oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. Go on, Amanda, take it away. And that just made it more tragic because they had painted it on their helmets in honor of her, and now they're trying to kill her. Oh, yeah. Oh, and can we talk about that very last episode when they're looking at the hangar, they want to make it, the ship's going down, they want to make a run to the ship, and all the clones are standing there, and Ahsoka and Rex are like, what are we going to do? And and Rex is just like, those are my brothers out there and they will kill us. They will die killing us. And then she takes off his helmet and he's crying. Ah! Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Some part. deep feels. Yeah. <laughs> the, clone, the, the Clone Wars cartoon series it, just hmm. made this so much more emotionally connected to everyone involved that Order 66 becomes this ultimate uh, betrayal. Yeah. And, you know, I... I kind of wondered, I mean, I mean, this is just a slightly off topic, but like if somebody had never seen Star Wars before and you go, I mean, would, would somebody, would some, would you, would you really say, okay, stop at episode two, watch all of the Clone Wars and then watch episode three, or maybe watch episode three and then watch these last four episodes? No, 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 no. You need to watch. All of the Clone Wars between episodes two and three. Yeah, but you're not gonna but maybe save the last four episodes for after. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. watch all the Clone Wars except the last four episodes. Watch episode three <laughs> and then the last four episodes. No, that even better than that. Bad. Disney Plus has done something very nice, or I should say, Disney. Um, they have this like twenty key episodes from the Clone Wars to watch. You could watch all those. Although the the problem with that is they don't have the episode on Umbara on the Shadow Planet that focuses specifically on Rex and his clone group, where they're like serving that one Jedi that just kind of like sees them as like, you know, fodder as fodder. Yeah, as pawns, like their only purpose in life is to be thrown at the enemy, you know? Yeah, Um, like. That that is one episode like I noticed was not in these like twenty recommended episodes to prepare for season seven, which I think it should have been because that one focuses a lot on the clones themselves, and like that those those four episodes on Umbara like really made me connect with the clones more so than any other episodes. Sure, sure. Well, you know, um, gosh, you know. There's so much. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much. There's so much. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take the conversation back a little bit and, and, you know, let's talk, let's talk about Anakin seeing uh, Ahsoka for the first time since she left the order because she came back and it was obvious that Anakin was like, like 
overjoyed to see her and she was really kind of cold uh, and and maybe maybe she did that because she she you know I, i'm sure it was really uncomfortable going back after you kind of snubbed your nose at them having felt they snubbed their nose at you but anakin was obviously you know cared about her he, um, he, yeah, he was the only one who believed her during yeah. the trial. So, like, when she was accused of killing the Jedi and sabotaging, you know, trying to, like, destroy the Jedi Temple, he was the only one that believed her and was trying to help yeah. her. And he even was the one that found the actual um, Padawan that was doing all of that. Yeah, um, I mean, that that se- that whole scene was awesome. And, and I... Uh, and that that's when you knew things interconnected with Revenge of the Sith, the movie, because that's when Obi-Wan and Anakin got interrupted and said, you know, we got to go to uh, uh, Coruscant because the Chancellor's been, you know, Coruscant's under attack. They're trying to protect the Chancellor. And what I really liked about that, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but they specifically said Shock T the Jedi shock T has gone to go and protect the chancellor. And what's so cool about that is in the original, I don't even know if you know about this, Jekka, but in the original clone wars cartoon series, uh, by Grendy Taka, something or other, he did the samurai Jack stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they showed that entire opening crawl sequence of Shock T going to protect the Chancellor and then eventually losing him to General Grievous and, and getting kidnapped. So so that was the only time in the entire Clone Wars TV series that they actually mentioned anything that kind of really directly interconnected with that original one. And so I really like that. But uh, Are you but yeah, talking we, we, about we, the Nickelodeon we, one? Because I just found out about that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if it was on Nickelodeon. It might've been, those are, that those are really good. Those are really, really good, but they're, um, they're, they're, they're a little, they're a little different, but, but they're still really good. But, uh, and, and they're no longer considered canon, I believe. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, Honestly, they mentioned that Shock whole canon thing. I'm like, that's Disney throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah, I've read too many of those Star Wars books. No, well, that's it, part it, of the it, universe. <laughs> it, it was Disney going, we we don't want to be um, people to expect what's coming. So let's just erase everything. So then we can basically yeah. copy from what's already been written, but throw our own spin yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I will say, I mean, so, so that the whole Anakin scene, Ahsoka for the last time, I mean, heartstrings pulled big time, but he gives her the two lightsabers to go and face off with Darth Maul. And Darth Maul in these episodes, uh, some of the best, uh he's been in and he's had so many good episodes but these are these are some of the best well when you bring ray park back to do the action scenes for darth maul that just makes it yeah amazing darth maul is such a boss when he was just sitting there and he's just like waving his hands and the uh the blaster bolts go to the left and the right of him oh so awesome yeah that so the very that last or that second to last episode when ahsoka turns him loose after he's been captured. So again, spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> um, I, I love it when she's like, just cause some chaos. And I was like, he doesn't have a lightsaber. And holy cow, that chaos he causes, I'm like, this <laughs> is a true, this is a person who is truly one with the force. Like, 
if the Jedi were up to that level of confidence with the Force, like, they would be unstoppable. Like, it would oh, yeah. be crazy watching him just go through and no lightsaber, and he's just, like, kicking butt, <laughs> causing oh, chaos. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, it was very uh, uh, the end scene of Rogue One-esque yes. with Darth so, Vader. That just reminds me of that point when Ahsoka says, I am one with the Force, and oh, the yeah. Force is with yeah, me, and I'm like, yes! yes! Yeah, they brought that in. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, I... Yeah, so yeah, there was so much that was perfect with these episodes, and um, and you know when when the uh, scene finally came closer to the end, where they were uh, crash landing and the entire uh, like star destroyer uh, was crashing, like that that was the scene that I was looking at, and I was like, you know, I I can't, I almost can't tell that this is you know not movie quality animation uh cgi uh it, it the the crash scene was so uh constructed well um and then when it finally did crash cuz you know you you mentioned it earlier uh Jekka, that you know uh the brothers and then rex crying yeah. you know the one thing that she says is uh, you know but but i'm not going to kill them or she says something along those lines yeah she uh i I actually watched it right before our podcast again. <laughs> um, yeah. It says, like, they may be willing to die, but I am not going to be the one to kill them. Oh, that's what it's, I love yeah. that. Like I said, um, and what you were saying, Austin, it's true. It had a very movie quality to it. In in a way, it reminded me of the last four episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender um, with the whole um, Sozin's Comet, those last four episodes. Um, for that one, I remember watching the special features for Avatar on those last four episodes, and they like got the creators got permission to pretty much pull out all like all everything for those. So they like you know actually were given money to do like top quality computer animation and like actually like have an orchestra play the score. Like so they they made those last four episodes very movie quality, and yeah, these last four episodes of Clone Wars had that same feel to it as if they're like, you know what? These are the last four episodes rounding. It's the series finale. Let's do it. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. We need to make sure we talk about that last little bit. <laughs> okay. Let's talk, let's talk about yeah. it. Um, so, 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 so I'm assuming you're talking about when Ahsoka uh, has buried all of the clones. Yes. Oh, and she's stand, she's standing there in her uh, rebels. Star Wars Rebels look. Um, yeah. It, again, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was that, the feels. I, I didn't notice it the first time, but the second time through, I noticed there's no dialogue once you see that it zooms in on Rex walking away and then Ahsoka. And then later when Darth Vader shows up, like all of that, there's no talking at all. Oh, yeah. It's just the music and just seeing what's going on. And yeah. Oh, like, man. Did you, did you, I, I felt like I really liked how when she's, before she drops the lightsaber that Anakin gave her, there, there was like almost a hesitation to it. Like she kind of rocked it in her hand and then she dropped it. Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. well, what do you think that symbolized? I mean, I mean, it's obviously a great uh, scene to have Darth Vader pick that up. But like, what, what do you, what, why would she drop it? Like what went through her head, you think? Um, She heard 
through the force, Anakin betraying everyone. Okay. Yeah. So letting him go. Yeah, is, it was, is that it what was that like, was? It was like she was burying him too. Like she knew he was still alive, but like it was like he he's, he made alive, but he's not. Like the Anakin she knew, her master was gone. But but Ooh. at the same time, in Rebels, she she it takes she has to research that he survived, that he is Vader. Well, she probably wanted to confirm it. I mean, yeah, she she has but, no she has no sure fire. You know, so understanding it, of it. it could be that she was laying the lightsaber down to honor Anakin, thinking he died. Yeah, maybe. But you know, Darth Maul was the only one that told Ahsoka what was basically happening with Anakin. Yeah. So up to that point, I mean, she she had no confirmation. Like she maybe she heard some stuff through the Force, but I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you. Uh, how well would you be able to piece that all together? Like it, to yeah. me, to me, it feels like glimpses in like little puzzle pieces, but you don't have the full puzzle. Like you have to put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, maybe uh, whether she, whether she was mourning Anakin being dead or just her saying goodbye to the Anakin she, she knew, I think in one way or another, it, it was, I think, I think you guys have, uh, convinced me that in one way or another, it was definitely wrapped around her relationship with Anakin in some way. Yeah. Ooh, that's deep. Yeah. That's, oh. Oh, okay. So, so let's flip it around now. Darth Vader shows up at the end. What, 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 what do you think was going through Vader's head as he's going through all that? He thinks she dies that she died there. That he's found where Ahsoka died. You think so? Absolutely. I don't know. He finds the lightsaber. See, and I feel like he <clears throat> he's kind of like I felt like it was like he knows that she's alive, but it's kind of like he's not going to bother to like actively hunt her down. Like that, so that's kind of what I got. Thing. Like my feelings. He, was, he <laughs> was going through so much trauma. I don't think he registered who was dying and who wasn't. I think he thinks she's dead. And finding the ship she was supposed to be on, that he knew she was on when he went to meet with the Chancellor. And finding her lightsaber, I think he was going, okay, she died here. And it was finding that. It was well, a confirmation in a way for him. It- the the hard part is we have no idea exactly when in the Star Wars timeline Vader finds that you know the the the, the burial site in Ahsoka's old lightsaber yeah. because and it could be during Rebels that he found it or yeah it could have been after it could have been before it could be like shortly after <laughs> you know the stormtroopers kind of became stormtroopers it it could have been after their their space fight that they had and he went to go confirm whether she died there or not. Cause he, he's both of them could sense each other in that fight. And what, in which fight they, they, they were, um, basically having a dog fight, um, in spaceships and, and who, who? Wait, what, wait, you what, lost, yeah, you what are you talking about? In rebels. Uh, oh, Soka. she hasn't seen rebels. Remember? That's okay. You guys, you know, I don't okay, want to hold so, you back. <laughs> um, Vader's oh, and a excited to watch it. No, no more of that talk. 
Jekka needs to experience that on her own. Okay. No, makes me no, 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 no. Jekka, I seriously Jekka, like, just want to get through Clone Wars so I can get you. So their first meeting is when they no, 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 no. They okay. don't see each other, but they sense each other with the force. Uh, okay, anyway. Don't worry, Justin. I plugged my ears. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, okay, so the the one. I mean, obviously, obviously, Vader knows that that's just the lightsaber that he gave her. Uh, obviously he knows that that is his old, you know, half of his 501st. Maybe, oh, you know, I didn't think about this. Like maybe, uh, cause, cause Anakin and Captain Rex, their relationship was extremely close too. Mm -hmm. That is true. Maybe that's where he also thought Rex was buried. I don't know. I don't know. But you know. The question too is if, um, like, cause we don't know like how long how many years have passed if maybe it was like a few months or days even, you know? Um, but it, from when we like the little we see of that whole scene, it's clear that like the stakes holding up the trooper helmets, like almost all of them had been knocked down, but there is like a couple still standing. So like, and that's why I think that Anakin suspects that Ahsoka might still be alive because it's like, he finds her lightsaber separate from all of them, but there's, obviously a gravesite even if like there's only one or two helmets still standing it's like this is a gravesite and you know if they with their technology they'd be able to find like yeah there's bodies buried here you know so that's kind of my thought but yeah yeah Ooh, so much drama okay so, so so i have arguments against their good technology if they can't figure out a woman is having twins how good is their technology <laughs> i mean really i'm Plot device. Maybe they don't. Plot device. Maybe they. Maybe they don't have monthly checkups or something. I don't know. It, it is wartime, but anyways. Uh, the, the last thing I want to. Last point I want to talk about real quick, and then and then we'll wrap things up. Is um, this might have been? I mean, we don't know because nothing's been announced yet. But this might have been Ashley Eckstein's last time as Ahsoka Tano. We will miss her. The, oh. the voice actress. Um, you know, there, there's rumors that maybe there's going to be, uh, you know, more to Star Wars Rebels. Uh, maybe they're, they're going to bring that back. You know, there's rumors that maybe uh, she, she'll have her own show. Ob- it's it's pretty dang obvious that she's going to be in Mandalorian season two, but it won't be Ashley Eckstein. It'll be Rosario Dawson playing the live action version. Um, but yeah, this is this might be Ashley Eckstein's very last time as Ahsoka. So just go check out her universe and see what <laughs> see what Ashley Eckstein's selling. Yeah, Ashley Eckstein has a clothing store called Her Universe. So, anyways, a- anything else you guys want to talk about Clone Wars wise? Before we wrap up, because this is the end of the Clone Wars, and man, what a journey. What what a great storytelling. Indeed it was. I'm sad to see it end, but it ended so well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have to say, like, I've, I've always liked Star Wars. Like, it was cool, but watching Clone Wars, even though I'm still watching it, <laughs> but um, it definitely has made me really, like, love Star Wars. Like it really has. Like it has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. George Lucas has uh, trained Dave Filoni well. <laughs> Anyways, folks. Hey, 
thank you so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Hey, please subscribe and leave us a review. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe, leave us a review wherever you listen to us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you find us. Uh, Next week, we are finally going to be talking uh, Netflix Letter for the King. So go and watch that if you haven't already. It's only six episodes. It's a fun little fantasy, uh, you know, medieval type of uh, TV show. But uh, watch that and share it with us your thoughts. Leave us a voicemail uh, at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast uh, and email us your thoughts at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, uh, reach out to us. Uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. And uh, tell your friends about us. But hey, from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. May the force be with you. Stay back! Find him. Find him. Vibes. Find him!